I was expecting you. Today, tomorrow, yesterday. It was only a matter of time. Welcome to John Adams High, where you are gonna die, that's right. Hey, little bro, life's tough, get a helmet. They just shot the neighbor! The banger! Well, Sean, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but you're kind of a babe. The Secret of Life by Plays of Squirrels. Underpants. Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney! I love the Feeney call. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Thank you for your patience. We are back with the Feeney podcast. We're ready to dive into the rest of season three. Again, thank you for bearing with us as we took a little summer break there. But I am Josh. With me, my co-host and Feeney podcast extraordinaire, Jacqueline. What's going on? Hi. Happy to be back. Feels good. Feels good. Ready to dive right back into where we left off with Corey and the gang. We are going to have a silly little episode to jump us back into here featuring none other than a cute little piggy. It is a super silly episode. I know our fans must have missed us so much. But this is really, this is a nice, light, wacky episode for us to start back up with. Yeah, just to catch us back up to where we were, it's season three. The Corey and Topanga relationship is in full swing. They have been dating for a couple of months. Sean is still living with Mr. Turner in his apartment mm-hmm. because his family abandoned him. Meanwhile, Eric is... Tough to tell whether he's a junior or senior, really. I think he's probably a senior because he's talking about colleges a lot. I think he's a senior because he was a sophomore in the first season and now it's the third season. So he should be in his senior year at this point. Yes. Meanwhile, we've seen very little of the Matthews family this season. It's much more of a focus on the the children and what's going on at school. Mr. Turner's still playing a big role. He's got a buddy, Eli, who's showed up in a couple of episodes as a a new teacher as well. So that's pretty much where we are at this point. Yeah, good season three recap. There's still a lot of uh, drama to come in season three. But for now, we're just taking a fun digression. And this episode is really heavily kids focused. There's not a lot of the guest stars or side characters like we've seen in many of the episodes so far this season. Like we won't see Eli. We won't see any of the other teachers or students really. It's all about the core cast. So it's a good episode. You do have to suspend your disbelief a little bit because like I said, it's it's a wacky one. It's a silly episode. Yeah, it is silly. I It, it had me thinking whether other TV shows of this time were doing similar things like that or whether this was kind of Boy Meets World specific thing where like something would happen and you just kind of had to ignore reality for a little while. Were other shows like did Full House or like Family Matters, did they have things where like a piggy door would just like appear in a (laughs) locker and then all of a sudden it was gone and you just kind of like accepted it? I don't know. I can't really think of any other examples Nothing springs to mind. Like Family Matters was insane because they had Steve as like, that was like the DSS machina for everything. He would come in and be like, I have a potion for that. Or like, I created him a machine and they could literally like go back and did have a time machine. Yeah. Yeah. So like, (laughs) and he 
changed himself into Stefan or Kelly. Right. So there were definitely shows doing some wacky stuff, but it was always sort of explained by some plot device. Boy Meets World literally just wants you to be like, this is what we're doing this week and don't bring it up again. <laughs> like, I can't think of any examples. Yeah, that's a good point. I was trying to like Home Improvement does some silly things and like Tim would fall off the roof and all of those things, but more believable than than what we have here. Anyway, we'll dive into this episode and we'll talk through all of that. This one is season three, episode six called This Little Piggy. All right. Aired on November 3rd, 1995, directed by Jeff McCracken. Uh, you'll be surprised to hear that the Disney Plus synopsis doesn't even have the word pig in it. So oh here we go. God. Eric bribes Feeney to get into his first choice college. That is the summary they went with. That's the only summary? Yes, <laughs> that was it. <laughs> and the and you know how they do on on streaming apps? There's like a thumbnail image of each episode when you go to click on that episode. The like screen grab from this episode was of Eric and Feeney. Just like nothing about the pig, nothing about Corey and Sean. <laughs> oh my God. So anyway, my synopsis, in his latest outlandish bid for validation, Sean adopts a stray pig and then goes snout to snout with Topanga in a battle over the pig's well-being, putting Cory in the middle of their disagreement. Meanwhile, Feeney tricks Eric into broadening his cultural horizons. Snout to snout, that's good. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, two plots, Eric and Feeney in one hand and the rest of the crew in the other hand. Let's start off with the fact that it's a school day. They're in the hallway and uh, Sean has a pig, a little baby pig, apparently a baby. He's little. He can fit in your arms. I would say maybe somewhere in the 15 to 20 pound range, if I had to guess. Yeah, I would maybe even less than that, maybe like 10 to 15. He's a little piglet, pretty cute. Yeah, really cute pig. Sean says he found him in the sludge where his trailer used to be parked. And Corey says that he sees what's going on, that, oh, he's been spending too much time with Topanga and he hasn't had enough time for Sean. So Sean goes out and tries to find a replacement Corey. And Sean's like, no, 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 that's not what's going on here. And then Corey's like, oh, yeah, well, what's the pig's name? And Sean goes, little Corey. <laughs> yeah. First of all, the episode opens and it's literally the most blunt thing. It's Sean like walks in and is like, hey, Corey, look, I've got a pig. Like yeah. there's no plot. There's no explanation. I mean, they explain it later, but it is not like they're out for a walk and they find the pig. He literally just shows up and already has the pig. And that's how the episode starts. It's super bizarre. And no one notices that there's a pig. There are students in the hall. There's people walking by. No one is pausing to even look at the pig they're all just pretending that it's not even there just like no one else is noticing sean's terrible vest that he's once again wearing <laughs> we are we're all accustomed to the vest but i would have imagined <laughs> somebody would have noticed the pig topanga walks up and she is very excited to see the pig but is kind of in a more practical way saying oh what are you going to do with him like once you have to give him up and and sean's like give him up like I, he's mine he's my pet now like i found him and topanga's like no like you know, he's a barn animal. He can't like live with you in an apartment. Like he's got to go find a good home. He's going to get big. And, and Sean is just not understanding the actual logic that Topanga is using. Yeah, we haven't really seen too much of Topanga this season. She's clad entirely in denim. And she definitely acknowledges how cute the pig is, but immediately goes right into like Sean 
somebody needs to get real with you because this is not cool. And Sean is very unimpressed with Topanga's reaction. He's literally just staring at her and pouting. But anyway, Corey kind of interrupts them and we go about our school day. Later that same day, the pig has somehow been dressed from snout to tail in a custom Abercrombie outfit. He's got blue jeans, a collared shirt. I don't know if you noticed that he's also wearing a vest, so we can assume that Sean picked out this outfit. And he has a tiny pig backpack. So this is the first of like the wacky pig gags that we're going to have in this episode. Yeah. And he goes through the aforementioned piggy door that has magically (laughs) appeared in Sean's locker as soon as Feeny starts to come so that he hides in the locker so Feeny doesn't know what's going on. The boys act suspicious as always, but Feeny just kind of blows him off. So Sean's secret is safe at this point. He's got a little dressed up mini... Corey, Sean Pig hiding out in the locker. Yeah, they literally come out of Turner's classroom and the pig is just like walking with his backpack on. And I'm like, okay, so nobody is addressing the pig. You just went to class with that pig. And it is kind of a funny gag. Like Feeny comes out and they're like, it's Feeny. And the pig like runs and hides. And Corey's like, did you train him to do that? And Sean's like, no, he just knows. So it's it's pretty funny. But yes, his secret is safe. But Topanga is not letting this pig thing go. Corey is feeling put in the middle of their feud because Topanga feels very strongly that Sean needs to find a good home for the pig with someone who knows how to take care of pigs. And Sean feels like he is giving the pig a good home and he doesn't need to be told what to do. So the whole thing is getting a little bit tense. Yeah, we've got a new... Boy Meets World trope that is going to be just completely smashed into the ground by the time this series is over, which is Corey's strong relationship with both Topanga and Sean and the two of them kind of butting heads, putting Corey in the middle of this little love triangle that they've got going on. So we really haven't seen that before, but it's going to come back over and over again. Another theme that will come back over and over again is the fact that like, Topanga and Sean are also friends and they constantly need to be reminding themselves of that. (laughs) Like throughout the show, there's going to be episodes where Topanga and Sean need to be like reminded that they are friends too. It's not just about Corey. So like when Corey and Topanga have breakups and have fights and, you know, when Corey's not around, like it's just, it's it it's it going to be an ongoing thing, like you said. Yeah, and this is kind of the start of that relationship here, as we'll get to. So Topanga makes a comment here where she, you know, she shows up. They're at Chubby's, and Sean has the pig with him. And Topanga is annoyed immediately when she sees the pig, and she turns to Corey and says, "I thought you were going to talk to him about the pig." So she really is putting Corey like in the middle of her beef with Sean here. It's not just that Corey feels like he needs to pick a side. The two of them are arguing and they're literally saying you need to pick a side. Like they're forcing him to. Yeah. Yeah. It's not very fair to Corey. And I think he like understands both sides a little bit better than either of them do. Like, yes, he understands a pig is going to be like a rough pet to raise. And like Sean is not the most responsible person, but he also understands that like this pig is more important to Sean than Topanga really realizes and that there's some similarities between this pig's life and Sean's life. 
Corey gets that. So he really is in a, a lose-lose situation having to pick sides here. Yeah. I did think it was funny that the pig is just hanging out on the pool table at Chubby's eating out of a basket of fries or whatever he's picking at there. Just anywhere he goes, this pig is just invisible to other people. He has the pig in Turner's apartment. What are the odds that you'd be getting a pig in and out of an apartment without the super or a neighbor complaining about having the pet in there? Yeah, it's very cool of Turner to let this all slide, especially indefinitely where, you know, he's already had some incidents with some maybe pooping on the bed and uh, licking him in the face. So Turner's not happy about this pig being in his apartment by any means, but he's going along with it. Yeah, Turner obviously hates the pig. There's no, he's not pretending that he doesn't hate the pig, but he is letting Sean keep the pig. But it doesn't explain why nobody at Chubby's at the apartment building or at the school has an objection to the pig being around. I guess he's just hypnotizing everybody with his cuteness. Yeah, my favorite scene of absurdity in this entire episode is where little Corey is eating lunch at the cafeteria table. (laughs) Off the tray. uh, Off the tray. And him and Sean are just sitting there eating lunch together in the cafeteria like there are no adults or hall monitors or no one has seen this pig and said anything to Sean about it. That scene is so cute. The pig just with his little hooves on the table, like eating. The pig is eating constantly in this episode. I mean- Pigs are really smart and they're very trainable, but I think just like keeping him eating is a way to just like keep him in one place like while they're filming. So they're just constantly feeding this pig. He was very well trained, though. It's it's very impressive in real life how they got this pig to kind of run around and do everything he was supposed to. Yeah, they're smart. They're like dogs. You can train them to come on commands and stuff. Tasty little dogs. (laughs) Oh, stop. That's a funny scene where they talk about bacon, when to tell your pig about bacon, and Sean's like, Corey, little ears, (laughs) (laughs) like covering his ears. Um, Okay, at any rate, there is now a confrontation. Topanga and Sean are drawing a hard line in the sand, and they are saying, Corey, you need to tell us right now whose side you're on. And of course, Corey picks Topanga's side because he doesn't want to make her mad. But he tries to say, I think you're both right. And they tell him, we can't both be right. You need to pick one of us. And he picks Topanga. Yeah. Sean is pretty cool about it eventually. He's saying, you know, like, I get it. You got to pick your girl's side. Like, I probably would have done the same thing. And I get it. But like, he's important to me. Like, the pig is, he's got no home. He's got no family. He was abandoned and no one's taking care of him. And I've got to step up to this. And Corey is now really starting to realize, oh, this is this is more than just about him raising a, a new pet. Like Sean is feeling all of those abandonment issues and he's trying to make sure that that's not happening to this pig. Yeah, he identifies with the pig. The pig was abandoned. He feels abandoned. And it explains why he's so desperate to make the pig thing work. He's like clinging on to this thing and he really, really wants to make it work. And to his credit, he is really trying to uh, <laughs> to be a good pig dad. But Corey and Sean have reconciled. There, you know, there's no hard feelings there. But now Corey wants Topanga and Sean to make up too. He's like, I can't have my best friend and my girlfriend fighting. And sadly, things are not going to go as planned because Topanga is going to show up at Turner's apartment, and things are going to come to a head when Topanga reveals 
that she has taken it upon herself to snitch to animal control about the pig. Yeah, she is very skeptical. And despite their efforts of trying to persuade her that Sean's going to be a good parent to this pig, the door gets left open and the pig runs out. And this is where Topanga reveals, I told you you couldn't take care of this pig. Like I called animal control. Pig needs to go to a good home. And as soon as Sean's about to kind of run out and, and, and look for him, in walks Turner with the pig in his arm. So crisis averted in the meantime, but now we've got to worry about animal control. This whole scene is really funny. Sean is giving the pig a bath. And like when they realize the pig is missing, he like thinks the pig has turned to broth because <laughs> he <laughs> left him in the water too long. And then Turner says he found the pig in the street heading towards the rib shack and Sean goes suicide. (laughs) (laughs) The whole gag is really funny, but Topanga is playing it really deadpan. She is unapologetically revealing that she totally snitched on him. And now Corey is pissed and he is firmly going to take Sean's side. Sean is like, I'm out here. I got to go hide this pig from animal control And Sean's like, are you coming with me? And Corey's like, yeah, I'm going to go with Sean. And he tells Topanga that what she did wasn't right. Like, he can't believe she would do this. And it wasn't right. So really, they have not painted Topanga in the best light during this episode so far. No, it's it's funny because, like, she is being the most realistic about this whole scenario. Like, in real life, anyone who would be acting like Topanga would be 100% in the right here. However... For purposes of what we've got going on, she does seem to be coming down a little hard on her friend and uh, her boyfriend, but she is going to very quickly flip-flop her position after a 30-second conversation with Mr. Turner. She asks, you know, Mr. Turner, like, why are you letting him keep this pig? Like, this is going to be too much work. He's not going to be able to raise this thing. And Turner just kind of says, it seemed important to him. Like, he's taking good care of it. And, you know, I I think Sean might need the pig more than the pig needs Sean. And that instantly flips on a little light bulb for Topanga. Yeah, she realizes she's made a huge mistake. But while we're on this topic, let's talk about people adopting pigs into their homes Mm -hmm. and their apartments and thinking that they're getting tiny little micro pigs, but then they turn out to be thousand pound farm hogs. I don't know if you remember, but there was like a big trend of this in like maybe the mid 2000s. And I believe that Paris Hilton often gets blamed with starting this trend. She, in 2009, adopted a piglet named Miss Piglet. It was a miniature pig. Allegedly, from the news article, she got her from a miniature pot-bellied pig breeder in Oregon who billed the animal as America's smallest breed of miniature pig. And this pig was supposed to be 19 to 29 pounds at its full grown height. And Paris Hilton paid anywhere from three to $5,000 for this pig. And as it turns out, miniature pigs like really don't exist so much. And the pig is now like 200 pounds. But to her credit, Paris Hilton did keep the pig, which is more than many people can say, because apparently there has been a huge issue with people adopting these so-called miniature pigs. And then when they realize they've been duped and the pig gets huge, they either euthanize them or turn them over to a shelter. And now there's like all these pigs in shelters 
It was pretty sad. I remember hearing about teacup pigs kind of being a myth and that there's no really such thing. And the miniest version of pigs are still going to get between 60 and 200 pounds. I actually heard an interview with Paris Hilton recently, and she has an animal sanctuary. She is like all about animal rescue. She's got like snakes and pigs and llamas and like all sorts of things. But she also has like the amount of space that's appropriate to keep all of those animals. So she's pretty responsible with animals. Yeah. And like has the money to take care of them and et cetera, et cetera. I think she has like a full-time like care owner for all of her (laughs) animals. Right, right. Yeah. And I also think that was maybe like a more recent development. Like at the time I was reading this People article, she had like six dogs and a cat and then she had got this pig. So she's definitely like always been into animals. And I think the animal sanctuary is something maybe from like the past 10 years or so. So at any rate, don't adopt a pig unless you're prepared to have a 500 pound pig living in your house and, you know, do your research, folks. Don't buy a teacup pig from a trunk of someone's car in Walmart parking lot. Little Corey, Big Corey, and Sean are on the run. And where shall they go to hide out but Corey's house, obviously. Where else are they going to go? So they're there. They're hanging out. And Corey's like, ah, no, no one knows where I live. I'm not connected to you at all. Of course, the doorbell rings and Animal Control shows up. And it's none other than our Favorite sidekick, Al Borland. Yeah. Yeah. Can you believe it? Trusty Al Borland actor Richard Karn is in his khaki animal control uniform and he is there to get that pig. Yeah. He is not going to take no for an answer. He is this kind of interesting character where like at first you think he's very serious, but he He's very kooky. He's a a kooky little character that they've drawn up for this role, making some like weird sarcastic jokes and and making some cracks, but also being very serious. Yeah, it's it's funny uh, and a little awkward and weird. Yeah, so the actor Richard Karn, he played Al Borland from 1991 to 1999 on Home Improvement. And this was a straight up guest spot for Boy Meets World because this was 1995. So Home Improvement was like in its prime right now. It was another ABC show, one of the most watched shows on television at the time. So this was like a pretty big guest star thing for them of like a hot actor at the time. I actually had to double check if Home Improvement was a TGIF show because I couldn't remember if it was in that TGIF lineup and it was not. Mm, Interesting. We've seen some crossover castings between the two shows. I would imagine they filmed on like neighboring lots or something like that. And it was pretty easy to get cast from from both of them to do a guest star like this. So I learned that Richard Karn was not the original casting for Al Borland. In fact, they had offered the job to Stephen Tobolowski, who you will all recognize but is most famous for playing Ned Ryerson from Groundhog Day. Ah, okay. Phil? Hey, Phil? Phil? Phil Connors? Phil Connors, I thought that was you. Uh, How you doing? Thanks for watching. Hey, hey. Now, don't you tell me you don't remember me because I sure as heck fire remember you. I think he shows up in Home Improvement in some other capacity in a smaller role, but they originally cast him and then he was signed on to a movie, so Richard Karn stepped in and... I just can't imagine anyone else in that role except for him. Yeah, I was watching an interview with um, Will Friedle and Ryder Strong, and they mentioned that they used to play football 
with oh, the kids right. from home improvement during breaks because they shot on the same lot and their sets were were nearby. Yeah. So actually, when I looked up to see if home improvement was on TGIF, I came across an article on a website that I'd never heard of before called Yard Barker. It mm-hmm. appears to be an entertainment news website. Uh, the article was called The Definitive Ranking of Every TGIF Show. It was written by LaToya Ferguson, and it was it was a recent article. It was from earlier this year. And it was a super fun read because there were some shows that, you know, you totally forgot about. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I remember that. But, Josh, can you guess what the number one show of TGIF was in this article? I feel like Full House was the biggest staple. I think that's an easy place to go for number one. The correct answer is Boy Meets World. Oh, Boy Meets World. Let's go. I can't believe you didn't have enough faith in in your own show (laughs) and you picked Full House. Anyway. It was a fun article, but Richard Karn had basically nothing on his resume before Home Improvement, so that's probably why he wasn't originally cast. I mean, he was like kind of inexperienced, but ever since then, he's done tons of stuff. He hosted Family Feud pre-Steve Harvey years, and he has since done many, many Hallmark Christmas movies, which you know I love. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned Family Feud, Jacqueline, and I remember the days where he hosted, and he was a he was a pretty good host. I liked his style. There have been six Family Feud hosts in the history of that show. How many of them can you name? Uh, well, I can't remember the original guy's name, the one who would kiss everyone. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I know who he is, but I can't think of his name. And then Al Borland and Steve Harvey. And what about that guy from America's Funniest Home Videos? Did he ever host Family Feud? He had like gray hair. Uh, Tom Bergeron. Yeah. Did he host he it? Hosted, he hosted uh, celebrities. What's the squares? Uh, Hollywood, Hollywood squares. squares. Okay. Hollywood squares. Then I guess I can name two, three if you count the kissing guy that I don't know his name. Richard Dawson. Okay. Original host. And then after him was Ray Combs, who was a comedian of the time. Then we hit a run of just top-notch hosts. We have Louis Anderson. I don't ah, know if you remember him yes. hosting. Then Richard Karn for a while. And then in between him and Steve Harvey, who is the current host and who just does a phenomenal job, is John O'Hurley, who you will most commonly know as uh, Mr. Peterman. From <laughs> oh, yes. Reinfeld. I remember him hosting it. That, okay. I must have had him confused with Tom Bergeron. I was like, I knew there was like a gray haired guy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Peterman. <laughs> <laughs> they had offered him a continuing contract, but they wanted to kind of take the show in a more like raunchy, kind of like funny direction. And he wanted to keep it family and wholesome. So they brought in Steve Harvey. I'm not a big Family Feud fan, but Steve Harvey is pretty funny. Yeah, he's he's a great host. Yeah, he he, nice he's there. like perfect for that show. Anyway, this has been quite the digression. Home Improvement, great show. Love it so much. And funny to see Richard Karn doing a very different character than Al Borland in this <laughs> weird animal control guy. Yeah, for sure. Eventually, one of the bits is that he kind of knows a lot about Sean and like the situation here. (laughs) So he knows who Sean is and he says, I want that pig and the pig comes downstairs. He's basically like, listen, man, like I wish I could do something, but this neighborhood is not zoned for pigs. 
but I can slip you a 40 or 20 foot boa if you are interested <laughs> instead. So he's like not fully on the up and up here, but he still feels a responsibility that he needs to take the pig away. So yeah, he's got the pig on a leash. He's ready to take yeah. him out about to be confiscated and Sean has a moment and he says goodbye to to little Corey and he says he's going to come visit him one day but just at this moment Topanga shows up to save the day. Yeah, she's really going to do a flip around right after Sean drops the line here's looking at you pig. Right. <laughs> she comes busting in and she's like, "Wait, I saw an ad in the newspaper right after I called about a guy who lost his pig." And this is his pig. And they're like, oh, okay. Like, that's cool. I, I guess we should go find him. He's like, he's right here. And in walks Mr. Turner. Mr. Turner weaving a very convincing tale about how his pig from the country ran off and it belongs to his boy Zed. And he's got to get this pig back to the farm. Uh, so Al Borland gives him a little bit of a hard time, but eventually is just like, I'm just messing with you. Here's your pig. Enjoy. Animal control guy leaves and Turner hands the leash back to Sean and is like, you owe me. And then Turner immediately walks out the door and I'm like, bro, animal control guy is still in the driveway. You can't just walk out there without the pig. He's going to know he's been had. Yeah, silly, but I guess we're going to hopefully maybe find out what happens to the pig in the next episode. Maybe they'll drop us a line about it, but this could just be prepared that that this is the last time you ever hear or see anything about this pig. (laughs) I would say goodbye to the pig and not expect it to come back up. But Topanga apologizes to Sean for meddling in his business. Now she realizes that she was wrong. And, uh, you know, she helped trick Al Borland into leaving the swine behind. She did the right thing. And now everybody's friends again and everybody's made up. Yeah, it is actually a pretty good moment here at the end. Topanga realizing... She and Sean are going to be friends and are friends and need to be friends. And uh, like you said, this is going to be an ongoing theme of the show moving forward is like them trying to find a relationship with each other outside of Corey. I'm glad that they redeemed Topanga in the end because she was looking like a snitch and it was not a good look because we all know what happens to snitches. Yeah, we all do. Carmelo Anthony taught us all about that. Well, let's talk about Eric. Now that we've wrapped up little Corey's storyline. Got another great storyline here to talk about, which is Eric classic Eric Feeney conversations, which is just going to blossom. So basically Eric's got a copy of boudoir magazine. Not sure if you saw, (laughs) I didn't see the title and he's walking around school with it, flashing it around, including flashing it over to Mr. Feeney. He's like, oh, man, you see this Girls of the Ivy League spread? I got to get into one of these schools. Have you ever heard of Yale? (laughs) Mr. Feeney's just shaking his head. Oh, dear, dear Eric. Okay, I thought the magazine was called Girls of the Ivy League, which is equally sus, but it makes more sense that it was a spread inside of this magazine. So, yeah, wow, he's really just flashing the thing. Okay, (laughs) ridiculous. But Feeney is like, obviously, I've heard of Yale, you buffoon. But they go back and forth, and Feeney says to Eric, it would take more than your grades to get you into Yale, which, of course, means that Eric would need to get his grades up and do a whole lot of hard work if he even wanted to have a chance. But what Eric hears is that if he greases the wheels with a bribe, he'll be able to get into Yale. So they're on two completely different pages here, and this prompts Eric 
to show up at Feeney's fence later with a quote-unquote gift for Feeney. Now, in this scene, Feeney mentions that Yale is one of the finest institutions with the highest admission standards in the country, which led me down a little bit of a research hole here. Mm. So in 1995, the year that this presumably was happening, there were 12,600 applicants to Yale and they admitted 2,500 or so students, which is a 20% acceptance rate. So pretty tough, but one out of five, not terrible. I would imagine only people who are applying there are people who think they have a shot. You don't get a lot of just like random applications to Yale, but 20%. In 2018, there were 35,000 applications, so nearly three times as many applicants for fewer spots, 2,200 spots, which is a 6.3% acceptance rate. And along with Yale, Stanford, Harvard, Columbia, Princeton, the University of Chicago, and Caltech all have between a 4 and 6% acceptance rate. Yeah. Wow. That first, what, I wonder what caused the number to shift so drastically. Cause that first number you gave, I was like, that's actually a pretty high acceptance rate, but yeah, 6% sounds more accurate. Yeah. They're all, all of those IVs and top schools are right in the 6% range. Obviously many more applicants. I don't know if just more folks are applying to college than they were, or if they are just all trying to apply to better schools and and not spreading them around to more local schools. I'm not sure what that is is due to, but um, a big shout out to my buddy Sebastian, who just transferred into Yale, one of the most competitive schools in the country. So congrats to him. Speaking of full house, I hear that Aunt Becky can get you into any Ivy League school of your choosing uh, <laughs> with just a little bit of photoshopping and a well-placed donation. <laughs> yeah, just a water polo sports <laughs> captain. And, uh, oh, Did God. you watch that documentary? No, I didn't watch it. Oh my it. God, it was so good. It was so wild. Admission scandals aside, I don't think anything, even something like that, was going to get Eric into any of those schools. But as you mentioned, Eric sees this opportunity as a bribe. And so he's going to bring over some opera tickets because he, you know, Feeney's a cultured man. He likes opera. And uh, he's like, you know, you got some tickets. Maybe you do something for me. You got to know somebody over there. Yeah. Feeney, like a rube, tells Eric that he actually does know someone at Yale. But um, he just shouldn't have even shared that information. But he pulls the old switcheroo because what we know about Feeney is that he's very wily and he's uh, a little bit of a trickster. So he pulls the switcheroo and he tells Eric, yeah, you know what, Eric, I will do something for you. If you want to get into Yale, you're going to need to have some culture. So I'm going to pick you up tomorrow night and you're coming to the opera with me. So now Eric has gotten himself into a situation where he's got a formal date with Mr. Feeney on the books. Yeah, he sure does. He's uh, not very thrilled about it. And the next time we see Eric, he's throwing paper airplanes down into the lower orchestra area because he is bored out of his mind. He's like, what have we been here for two hours? And Mr. Feeney's like, pipe down, man. We've only been here 10 minutes. Yeah. They're wearing matching tuxes. They're up in the box. Eric is pissing off all the fancy people sitting around them because he's just complaining about how bored he is. And Eric is like, I appreciate you helping me get into Yale and everything. Oh, this Mr. Is Matthews, I couldn't get you into Yale. I couldn't get you into a Yale sweatshirt. 
which is Great a line. sick burn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he says, The only deal I've ever made with you is to be your teacher and friend. And with that, the responsibility to help make you a better person. But Eric is not convinced until he hears a special song. Yeah, Eric's like, you know, I just I just want to meet the girls from the rafts in the magazine. Right, and, right. And Mr. Feeney is like, well, what if the girl has a passion for culture, opera? Like, what if now you've got something to talk about? Just like expand your horizons a little bit and, and it might open some doors for you. And Eric's like, mm, I, I'm not buying it. I'm going to I'm going to go this like this isn't for me. And all of a sudden we start to hear. Ride of the Valkyries by Wagner, but Eric knows that it's actually Kill the Wabbit, Kill the <laughs> Wabbit from Looney Tunes, and that sucks him right back in, and now he's all in on this opera. He's like, oh my god, it's Looney Tunes, and he is pulls out his little opera glasses, and he's sitting there staring with a big smile on his face, so he's loving it now. Yeah, a 1957 episode of Looney Tunes aired called What's Opera, Doc? <laughs> and it is a full-length episode, all done in opera. I watched a bunch of clips from it, and obviously the most famous is Elmer Fudd singing Kill the Wabbit, which is the Flight of the Valkyrie song here. But they do they do an entire episode of all opera songs with these characters, and it's very heavily credited for lots of children like knowing some of these songs from these operas and not even realizing really that it is real opera. We quiet. I'm hunting wabbits. Wabbit twikes. Kill the wabbit, kill the wabbit, kill the wabbit. The yeah, it's uh, it's good stuff. Looney Tunes used to be pretty, pretty cool, pretty interesting. It wasn't. I feel like kids' cartoons today are a little bit more like zany, and I mean, Looney Tunes was zany. It was loony, even you might say, but <laughs> it was a little more subversive. I don't know. It's it's kind of interesting. I watched a couple of the clips too. Yeah, so he is now hooked. He's he hears a song he recognizes, and the plot starts to take off, and so. When we cut back, the show has ended, the opera's over, and Eric's yelling, more, more, and he's all jacked up. He is riding high, so to speak, <laughs> and man, everyone's going to be impressed with my knowledge. Like, Feeney, can we go to the ballet? Can we go to Philharmonic? Like, I gotta, I'm going to be able to talk to everyone about this stuff. And Feeney's like, let's go, man. It's late. We got to go home. Yeah, it's probably like almost midnight. Feeney's pooped. And uh, Eric just doesn't want to leave. And then we get a classic opera joke where Eric's like, we can't leave until something big happens. And he goes, who's that fat lady? And then she hits a high note and he goes, okay, now we can leave. So it ain't over till the fat lady sings. And Eric really got the full opera experience. Thanks to Mr. Feeney. Although really thanks to himself, because I guess he paid for those tickets. That's true. Yeah, he paid for them and they uh, stayed right at the right moment. So Eric's got some culture. That was the post credit scene there. And the fat lady singing takes us into the actual credits. 
and bleeds us in there. So we've got ourselves just a silly little standalone episode here in the early parts of season three. Really, really great stuff. Silly. I'm excited for more Eric Feeney bromance happening that will only continue to grow and excited to learn if we ever get an update on little Corey the pig. Yeah, I really can't remember, but let's um, let's hope that he's got a good home wherever he's going to be because I don't think we're going to see him again. <laughs> I don't think so either. Sorry, little Corey. You know, he's on he's a farm somewhere. There's some good farmland out and around the Philadelphia area. I'm sure he's got a, a good home. Yeah, Pennsylvania's got nothing but farms. Yeah, exactly. So that is that. We are back. We're going to be on a run of episodes here. So stay tuned. Get those podcast apps ready. FeeneyPodcast.com. Look for some good content. We've got some some new and fun things happening on Instagram, hopefully starting soon. So just keep an eye out and, and thanks for being with us. Yes. As always, follow us on Instagram at Feeny Podcast or on Facebook, the Feeny Podcast. And look forward to wrapping up season three here. I'm also going to drop a reminder. We are almost halfway through the season three, which is when we will be doing our trivia where I will be challenging Josh to season three trivia for the first half of the season. So I hope your brain didn't turn to mush over summer break because you will be tested. Yes, I am going to need to brush up on some uh, early season three trivia here. Do the same, re-listen to the episodes and uh, keep following along as we put out more. So thanks so much and we'll see you all next time. Good night, everybody. Good night.